podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so Game Week 12 has just finished and we're back for a quick fire pod ahead of Tuesday's quick turnaround deadline as we embark on a bit of time travel now in FPL land. Yes, it's three FPL game weeks in just seven days, something that will make even Craig David's head spin. We'll also be recording on Thursday in a similar fashion as well. These are sort of Q&A sort of type pods, as Nick's going to mention in a sec. Uh, this episode, there's no Anthony. He's got yet more exams over the next week, meaning it's an old school two-manner uh, in this short one. Nick, you're all right. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I've got to say, it wasn't wasn't the most exciting weekend of football that we've ever seen, but I guess the good news is there's plenty more to come with all of these midweek fixtures ahead of us over this um, very busy, festive period. So yeah, um, we are Who Got The Assist, of course. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL for the main account or um, on Instagram as well, WGTA.FPL. And if you'd like pod make sure to give us a subscribe or a review as well would be really appreciated if you want to join our league as well the code is cpsuof so yeah and i'm anthony as, uh, as tom said so i'll give a quick um, overview of the agenda which is basically this week is just going to be market forces and then answering some questions about the big issues of the day from the socials Cool. Let's start off the game with reviews then um and as nick mentioned i think the whole week well, the whole weekend, I should say, actually, of football was was a pretty drab one. Uh, Saturday, especially, I can't believe. You know, okay, I, I like voluntarily sat out of West Brom, Newcastle, but I can't believe really in retrospect what I sat through there. Wolves, Aston Villa, that game was boring up until the very, very end. And um, obviously, it was nerve wracking as well if you're a Martinez owner like I was. Newcastle, West Brom, no, I was watching that. Um, but Man United and Man City, Everton and Chelsea those two games only producing one solitary goal which in and of itself was a penalty wow i think that really exacerbated um you know how it can feel if these games are one at a time there's nothing else to compare it to and all you've got is rubbish in front of you oh it's, it, was, it was very mentally draining and um, anyway this week in fpl um i got 60 minus four uh, which gives me a hilarious 3k green arrow from 1.7 million to 1.7 million um what i did as I mentioned in the last pod, um, I sold Vardy for Bamford and I also sold ZH for Salah um, because Salah had Fulham and I thought that's the auto captain there. Of course, that's come back to bite me this evening with Vardy having a stormer, the one I really wanted him to have when I did own him and was captaining him. But, you know, them's the breaks, really. I can't really get too annoyed at that. Um, I was always going to sell uh, Vardy to finance the Salah transfer. So, uh, it's, it's it's okay. Yeah, we, we move on. As Nick said as well, there's... um. A lot of deadlines coming up and time to rectify this. Uh, elsewhere, you know, the real heroes for me this week were uh, Emmy Martinez, um, obviously in goal, that 11 points. Uh, wow, that was that was pretty big, sort of in the sets you apart. And up front, the, all three of my strikers returned, I think, for the first time this season. Calvert-Lewin and Bamford uh, got penalty assists and Shea Adams uh, got a nice goal and two bonus uh, in the early fixture today. One bit of annoyance. Oh, more annoyance is that I benched Kyle Walker uh, who got seven points uh, and I played Jamal Lewis um, against West Brom who only got the one um, but again one of those things that I do every time so I can't be too annoyed I think it's just because the Spurs game is always after my captain's played so there's, there's always that kind of time where I'm like oh yeah no, I'm really flying high here yeah I'm finally getting there at one point oh, you know, I was at 1.1 million you know, almost touching distance of, uh, of a six-figure rank and 
now I am back where I started basically uh, come the end of the weekend. But there you go. We live and learn and we will carry on. Uh, Nick, how did you do? I know that uh, I think you did just pit me, didn't you, in the end? Yeah, I did. I got 62 points um, this game week, um, which was a green arrow for me. Though it was only um, sort of 7K <laughs> green arrows, so very similar to you, just a small one moving up to about 82k. I, I agree with you there. I think we talked about it in the last pod, the curse of going on live rank and seeing that you're kind of like, well, I saw at least I'd gone up to about 44k and then and then Jamie Vardy um, puts in that performance and, and you just yeah, nearly lose that entire green arrow. It can be a bit jarring, but that's just that's just FPL for you. So um, 62 points, I think, for, the, for this game week. Felt like quite a low-scoring game week overall. With um, a lot of key assets blanking, I was quite happy with that return. I think it's Martinez. I had him as well in goal, getting that eleven pointer. That was one of the, uh, you know, the the main highlights of the game yeah, week, so was. to speak. Um, also, the Southampton guys. I've got you've got Adams as well, but I've also got Walker Peters. So I got fourteen points between those two guys. Um, you know, really big returns from them. Uh, Calvert Lewin picked up an assist. Sort of another honest performance from him, and I've also got Kane for a nine pointer, which. Um, it's very nice. So um, with uh, with Spurs again, it's like it's, it's the Kane and Son combo. Even with just that nine pointer, I'm actually down on um, on Spurs overall, just because of the amount of people that also own Son. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Salah captain for the fourteen pointer, just managed to you know blag that penalty, didn't he there? But everyone else blanked. Uh, no Jota, he's out. So yeah, Jamal Lewis came off the bench for just one pointer. And yeah, blanks from the likes of Greedish and um, De Bruyne and Robertson and, and Dallas as well. So yeah, it's kind of, as I said, a bit of a boring week. But yeah, scraped another green arrow, which is my sixth in a row. So yeah, not too bad. Nice. Now, I worked out earlier on, Nick, and this is really depressing, the indictment of my season so far, that my game week one, 71 points, is the best score I've got so far this season. Like Game week one was when I peaked in terms of point scores, which is... <laughs> Just absolutely appalling, isn't it? Just goes to show how how badly it's gone for me, really. And um, but yeah, you live and learn, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that there's a quick turnaround. And uh, I guess that's an awkward segue onto market forces because there is this quick turnaround. We are beginning to see uh, the market react to the game week events that have just gone. Uh, we are recording just after the Arsenal and Leicester games have finished, so I'm sure that there will be a Vardy party in terms of the transfers in. But as it stands, Nick, how's it looking? Yeah, I love the way you managed to somehow find a segue there. I was wondering where you were going to find it, but you you, you called one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in terms in terms of the market, it's all about the mid-priced midfielders, uh, just because there's this three guys being quite heavy sold in in Jota, thirty-seven thousand, uh, so three hundred seventy-six thousand transfers out. Rodriguez with 105 transfers out and Ziyech with 65,000 transfers out time of recording, which means that lots of midfielders being sold. Um, and I guess we've got a question on Jota a little bit later and replacements, but it looks like the market are saying Zaha, Suchek, Ward, Prowse and Grealish seem to be the most popular picks. So those four are all the most transferred in midfielders right now with Zaha leading the line with over 100,000 transfers in at time of recording for the uh, for the Crystal Palace man didn't actually score this week against Spurs but uh, West Ham away and people still thinking about that West Brom performance perhaps with the two goals in this end of what assist which uh, yeah people are being attracted to because he's in the same uh, price bracket as Jota, simple as that. Uh, people yeah. have just gone, oh, all right, I've, I've got this guy, he's injured. Oh, and then, you know, Hammers, Anzi, all the, the top three sales out. And they've gone, right, okay, who's uh, who's doing the business around that price range? Oh, 
yeah, Zaha. Yeah, okay, that'll do. I'll get him in. And uh, I think that's pretty much pretty much the, the thought process surrounding Zaha. Because I was surprised to see that, that he was uh, currently top. Definitely. Obviously, a lot of people looking at him or looking at the likes of Suchek as well, um, who scored this week. Um, that's two goals in two weeks now, three to his name this season. I guess um, the appeal, the massive appeal about him is he's only five million. So you, you downgrade someone to Suchek might enable you to get a fourth premium in, especially during this sort of period where we're all trying to fit all these brilliant assets in and uh, we'll talk, talk about that a little bit later as well but um, otherwise uh, yeah in terms of, sort of transfers out as well we've got Timo Werner being quite heavily sold 42,000 transfers out for him it was a blank against Everton and I think the fact that he costs 9.5 million is many managers are seeing that and saying actually that's just one premium too many if you're trying to fit him in alongside the Spurs guys alongside the likes of Salah the likes of Bruno as well in terms of the forwards actually being bought in it's only really Bamford 6.2 million that's sort of attracting owners a few um few people bringing in Kane as well he's had about 30,000 transfers in but mostly uh mostly Bamford who's had 56,000 transfers in there oh man Shea Adams doesn't seem to appear to be uh on the market forces at the moment but perhaps it's still too early to have reacted to that nice eight pointer that we both got <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. No, definitely all about midfielders this week, isn't it? Right, uh, let's move on then to the main thing this week, which is just going to be, as we've mentioned, the Q&A, just because it's a quick turnaround of these podcasts. We've got another one on Thursday night, so it's, I think it's just what we always uh, do around this sort of time uh, when we have this sort of time travel period, I guess. Uh, the first thing this week is kind of harking back to last week to some extent. Uh, FPL Oakwell asks, do we A, strengthen our benches, or B, target fixtures by switching premiums uh, in terms of our, I guess, transfer strategies? And I think, Nick, you're ideally placed to answer this one because you are looking to be switching premiums around, aren't you? Uh, your your uh, dastardly uh, premium ping-pong plan continues. Yeah, I am planning on switching the premiums around sort of like this week. I guess it kind of worked out for me because I did Bruno to Salah, Captain Salah, and Salah obviously returned. Could have very easily not worked out that way, if I'm going to be brutally honest. A little bit of luck involved. Obviously, Bruno won a penalty as well in that game but um, Rashford was slightly offside uh, Salah put in a pretty dreadful performance all in all one of the worst I've ever seen him play but clearly he was knackered from having to play 90 minutes midweek which I don't think anyone really understood why the hell he was playing 90 minutes in that dead rubber fixture but only Klopp knows the answer to that um, so yeah I, I still went ahead and got Salah in I was tempted by Mane at one point but decided against so I'm glad about that but this week I'm probably going to be switching Salah out for Bruno um, to target Bruno for the Sheffield United fixture and give him the armband. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm playing a little bit of premium ping pong. It's not necessarily advisable. Very much depends on your team and what's going on there. If you do have um, a weak bench, you're a bit worried about other positions that need strengthening, by all means, you should be going ahead and doing that. Um, for me, it's kind of like I've got these kind of supporting cast members like Calvert-Lewin and Grealish, who I, I don't really want to change up. I do have Jota in the team, so I I'm, have been thinking about what I do with him, but I've got quite a strong bench for my wild card with all these 4.5 million defenders like Walker-Peters and Dallas and um, and Lewis um, that, and Zuma and stuff that can all be rotated in and out, so... You know, I don't, I don't worry too much about my bench. But if you've got like an injury crisis, if you've got Mitchell there, if you've got Kilman there, then maybe you might be thinking, actually, I, I do need to use my chances a little bit more wisely and and think, right, I need to get someone in to to strengthen that bench um, in case there is rotation over the Christmas period. Yeah, I think it's, it's always it depends, isn't it? And I did see a few horror stories this week with Lamptey uh, not playing. Uh, people were saying, you know, I've got Kilman 
or Mitchell coming off my bench and loads of people down to 10 men basically because they've gone for that sort of budget defensive cover. Um, I can imagine benches, in fact, where you've got Kilman, Mitchell, and maybe Brewster, and that's basically it. And you know, that would make me uncomfortable. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to go all in the first 11, but that would certainly make me uncomfortable to just basically have one point off the bench. Like I do have like Lewis, um, same, I think same as you, Nick, on the bench at the moment. I also have Kilman and I've got Riederwall, which is really annoying because they both look nailed on when I wildcarded and now have gone into the uh, into the reserves, which is really, really annoying. Um, so I may be in the future looking to move Kilman on to maybe, you know, Balbuena or something like that. So I've got two playing players on the bench. I do like to have that. Um, it really is team specific, uh, as, I've, as I've said. Um, and it really does depend on how you like to play. I do like the adventurousness of uh, the switching premiums idea as it is, I guess, because I've got, as I mentioned last week with DFS and De Bruyne, Fernandes and Salah, I don't, really think i'll be moving the premiums around because i don't really need to at the moment i think it will become a bit more of an issue uh, when spurs's fixtures come better um but that's not for two or three weeks yet well game weeks yet um so i'm kind of happy as i am if you do kind of have a bit of a weaker bench at the moment and you do start to see players dropping out for all sorts of reasons you know injury rotation covid pep it's useful to have that kind of sense of, of insurance. I think rotation's always overblown as a sidebar, um, but equally, um, it probably is worthwhile thinking about not rolling with the bare bones. That, that just it just instinctively makes me uncomfortable. Is it the same for you, Nick? If you were bare bonesing it, would you be kind of looking to make a transfer? Yeah, I, I probably would be, especially around Christmas. As I said, there there is so many fixtures, thick and fast for every single club. Um, that you know you can get caught out by players like Lamptey suddenly just being declared unfit or, or needing a rest. I've I've got like the likes of Basuma on the bench as well as the third sub. So even with Jota out, I guess I'm I'm pretty strong in terms of people that could come in if really necessary. You know, but he's not going to do much. But he does have Fulham away, so you know there's there's the off chance that something will happen for him in that game. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty contented with with my bench. I could potentially move Jota out for Suchek, but I'm not going to do it on a minus four. I don't see the the need to do that. You know, even though it will free up some funds, I, I don't really see the the need or the opportunity to do that. I'd rather focus on targeting my premiums. I'm I'm, mo- I'm mostly concerned about Bruno Fernandez for Sheffield United, so I want to get that guy in, and that's what I'm going to be doing this this game week. Yeah, I guess there's always that kind of point, isn't there? That the the bench isn't going to make or break your game week that often normally. It's the core guys who've got the responsibility to score your points week to week, which are the premium. So, yeah, no, I completely understand that point of view. All right, uh, next question then um, is about rethinking things a little bit. So Mitchell Sterling says, Fulham, time to buy. I think it's probably tongue-in-cheek, uh, but maybe worth a, a chat on them because, I don't know, maybe they're worth a bit of a rethink now. They've, they've been all right. They've had three fairly difficult fixtures um, over the last three game weeks uh, with Leicester, Man City and Liverpool. And, yeah, I mean, they beat Leicester. They did, unfortunately, lose to Man City, but not by too much, a 2-0. And they've just drawn with, with the champions Liverpool. Um, some defensive solidity... Um, looking a little bit better on the ball, a lot more confident. Um, and you know, uh, Wes uh, Phil Heisenberg, he was on singing the praises of Lookman, and Lookman seems to have uh, shown up a little bit, as does a, a Cardiff hero, uh, Bobby De Cordova Reed. Um, I mean, is there any kind of way to look at them differently? I mean, Alex Ball also asked if Fulham are indeed at a whipping boy status now. The biggest thing about them, I guess, is they are cheap. They've got through those three tough fixtures. So the next five, Brighton at home. Brighton were particularly poor tonight. 
Uh, Newcastle away, Southampton at home, Spurs away, Burnley away. So four out of five nice fixtures, potential for points there for sure. If you've got the likes of Lookman in your team, five billion, you know, he, he's he's doing pretty well. He's getting some some decent returns there, isn't he? With um, sort of a, an assist tonight and yeah, two goals, two assists. Um, I still kind of, if I was to pick, I'd probably still pick Suchek, I guess, over the two, because I guess that would be the choice you would have to make if you are looking to downgrade someone like Jota and, and free up a little bit of cash, um, sort of 1.7 million perhaps to invest elsewhere. I'd still probably say Suchek if I had to, if I was forced to make a decision there, you know, for them. I mean, you mentioned Deckard over Reed. He, he's done pretty well as well. Sort of five point three million he costs. He's actually got four goals, which is, I don't know how he's done that on the sly. But um, yeah, he's uh, been flying under the radar a little bit. Another sort of cheapy, cheapy forward. And um, you've also got Cavaliero, five point three million. If you want to target the penalty taker, because he's on penalties, um, scored one finally. Uh, for Fulham the other week as well. So, um, I mean, they're all options, all bargain basement players. I think um, definitely wouldn't touch the defence with um, a barge pole, to be honest. But, you know, if you're going to go down that, what Alex asked, if you're going to go down that targeting teams route, perhaps I'd be looking at the targeting likes of West Brom and Sheffield United a little bit more aggressively than Fulham now, based on all the performances that they put out in the past three weeks. They've certainly held their own. And, and look, um, a damn, I thought they looked a damn sight better than the team we saw in the Premier League two years ago with, with the likes of um, Loftus-Cheek and I can't, probably can't say his name, but I really like the, that defender as well. Adaraboyo, I think his name is. He's, he's looked really good um, and solid defensively as well, I thought, in terms of the games I've watched. Yeah, well, these things have improved a little bit. I mean, over the last four game weeks, they've created more big chances uh, than Leeds, uh, which is quite an interesting stat. Um, just one fewer than Liverpool have, and their XG is is looking pretty okay, actually. You're probably right on um, on those guys. They're so cheap, and the, the fixtures that you document mean that if you do have to kind of have a player like Bobby Reed at 5.3, then... then so be it, I guess. I'll probably be with you on Suchet, though, just because of double game week coming up as well. You're just future-proofing proofing yourself, aren't you, to get that guy in. Um, with you on targeting those guys, too, that you mentioned. Yeah, I think certainly with Fulham, you know, they are, you've got to remember, they are in the bottom metric still for those key offensive team stats. I don't expect too much. They're just slightly a rung above the, uh, yeah. the really poor teams like Burnley, West Brom, Sheffield United and Arsenal. And the other team that we've got to give a shout-out to here is Brighton. They have been... Yeah, all over the place too. Um, I Potter completely changed the change the system again tonight. Uh, dropped to ever present Adam Webster, which was quite an interesting dropping. And um, yeah, they've been turned over by Leicester. Um, they're, they're the epitome of all Fartno periods. Said so many times that their, their defensive data isn't actually that terrible. It's just the case that they just seem to concede a lot, a lot of big chances, basically a lot of high quality chances. I also wonder whether that kind of feeding is captivity this week as well because West Brom people have always people are saying oh you know you've got Man City at home West Brom Kevin De Bruyne's the obvious captain so it's interesting to, to hear you go oh um, yeah it's, it's going to be Bruno for me is that just because of the ridiculous away record I think yeah for me it's probably just like the reason I'm, I'm targeting Bruno is just because of that additional uh, bonus points that he'll pick up as well um, from taking the penalty. We saw that tonight, for instance, with Salah. He did get the penalty, did get the winning goal, but he still was out of the bonus points. And that's one of the frustrating things that we've seen in the past from him. Whilst, you know, if Bruno gets that one goal or that one penalty, he's going to pick up the free bonus as well. And that's probably why I'm going to target him 
uh, for this week in terms of the captaincy. Yeah, I think De Bruyne, as you mentioned, he is the other option out there. I guess you know you could probably make a case for both of them. I just you know I wasn't overly impressed by their performance against Manchester United um, this weekend, and and that was a concern for me. And I think De Bruyne he looked particularly um, laboured and also snatching his chances a little bit. Um, seems to have lost a bit of his. Um, Famous precision, which is, was a bit of, uh, surprising and alarming to see, personally. Yeah, he wasn't very good in the game, that's for sure. I think, for, for me, I'm probably going to stick to the don't overthink strategy, which has served me so well this year, and go with De Bruyne the captain, um, just because I, I just feel there's a spanking coming for City somewhere, and West Brom at home could well be that spanking. I, I don't want to overthink it. And over the last four game weeks, they're second to Liverpool for XG. And they've created the most chances and created the most big chances, had the most shots in the box. It's probably the case that you are going to get a game where they absolutely overwhelm somebody. And West Brom could well be that game. But then we have just mentioned, obviously, the, uh, the fact that West Brom aren't maybe as bad at whipping boys as they used to be. I mean, their XGC is still pretty high. They're a fur from bottom for XGC, um, just behind the likes of Fulham and Leeds. So it's not, I, I don't know, I think that's still a pretty decent fixture, even though Bruno's got that ridiculous away record, so I can see why you're, why you're going there with him. Uh, right, uh, should we go back to the questions? Uh, I suppose oh, we've kind of answered Am- Amar's one on the bargain bin. I think we, we said we kind, of suit, we kind of prefer to go with Suchet rather than go with any of the strikers. Chris O'Heary? Uh, it speaks to us about defenders. He asks them, are there any defenders or defences worth our consideration currently? And obviously it's been uh, yeah, quite a tough time uh, for a lot of defences uh, so far. Um, I've uh, had the double city defence and I've gotten two clean sheets, but somehow managed to contrive to um, sell uh, or bench uh, the second city player who I did get the clean sheet from. Um, but City have uh, have been uh, very uh, very good defensively throughout the course of the season. It's been their kind of shining light as opposed to their attack, which is a bit of a, something that something that challenges popular convention around them. Um, any defence that you uh, you like the look of, Nick? Yeah, I think in terms of the premium aspect, City are a good shout out. I, I really don't know how you've managed to contrive to to miss out on those second clean sheet over the past few weeks. It's, oh, it's especially considering your your original plan is trash. Kind of, it's uh, it's rather entertaining to be honest, but uh, it doesn't matter. I think still they'll be probably got a strong chance at least of another uh, two to three clean sheets in the next three for sure, especially against West Brom and Newcastle. Pretty poor attacking wise. Um, in terms of the cheaper defenders, I think the Southampton defenders probably deserve um, quite a big shout out, um, especially considering they seem to be um, coming up with attacking returns as well or um, save points. So, you know, you've got McCarthy obviously in goal. He's picking up plenty of saves. They've had five clean sheets to his um, name as well. You've got Bednarek, only 4.6. He's um, had a goal and assist in the last three game weeks. And, Obviously, the, the big man as well, Vestergaard, who's, who's giving Kurt Zuma a run for his money with his headed goals. He's had three so far, and he only, he only cost £4.9 million. And um, my man, Walker Peters, blagged a assist that wasn't really an assist because he got fouled slightly outside the box, but a penalty was given. So um, plenty of... Um, yeah, defensive solidity, at least in terms of Southampton, they're performing um, excellently this season as well. And um, in terms of the underlying metrics, um, they're pretty impressive as well, only conceding 119 shots in total, which is the fifth best in the league. So um, I'm a big fan of them. Otherwise, Aston Villa, another one strongly worth considering. We saw another clean sheet from them uh, this game week. And they've got Burnley, West Brom, Crystal Palace in the next three. So... Good chance there of more clean sheets. Um, and also a Burnley defence. Um, 
uh, did, did a solid job tonight, didn't they? Picking up a clean sheet against Arsenal wasn't too hard for them. No, um, unchallenged. None challenged at all, yeah. Next five, Villa, Wolves, Leeds, Sheffield United at home, Fulham at home. So, you know, likes of Charlie Taylor might be worth considering if you are looking to sort of chase um, clean sheet points, so yep. to speak. And he only costs about 4.4 million as well. Yeah, 4.4, that's, that's a bargain, isn't it? And you know what Burnley are like. like they're just going to be chasing the clean sheets around this time. As I said on, on last week's pod, this is the time when people get tired, you know, there's lots going on. Players don't have that extra sort of sense of zip that they would have in the regular season because of the quick turnarounds, which means that clubs like Burnley, packed in them behind the ball, are going to absolutely uh, make hay. This is the time they get those clean sheets generated, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I'd be very interested in Charlie Taylor. Um I mentioned the West Ham as well because they've got a double game week coming up fairly soon. Um, their fixtures aren't fantastic. You're not looking to be playing one of these guys every week. Um, but equally, you know, the likes of Balbuena, particularly 4.4, fairly cheap. Had the ball. I think he hit the post uh, this game week too. And if you haven't got one yet, there's always the Villa defence, uh, which is still performing as Nick said pretty well. But I wouldn't move your defenders around too much. Got quite a lot of... Um strength in defensive depth at the moment which is is quite helpful to have so if, if you are looking to sell someone like um Kilman or someone like Mitchell you, you you want to do a bit of housekeeping it is certainly a good period to do that if you know because you can have one of these guys come in off your bench and, and hopefully do a job for you so so hopefully that gives some some good advice I think yeah certainly with the Chelsea defenders I wouldn't be rushing to sell them you know, I was just, I can't, it's, if you look at the prices, you're, there's always that kind of price bracket where you look later on in the season, it's like, how the hell did that happen? Like, Reese James being only 5 million, you know, less than the likes of um, Ender Stevens and George Ball. Yeah. It's just, it's just unfavorable <laughs> now, isn't it? Yeah, it would be good to see uh, those sorts of uh, review, those kind of sorts of pricings uh, at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, no, definitely very interesting. All right, uh, next question, probably the big question, the like, guys, Jota replacements. So you're uh, you're in this, aren't you, Nick? I believe um, FPL Gear Snoop and Praz United asked for replacements for Jota. Uh, Gear Snoop says he doesn't want to tear his team up for Bruno. So who around the price range is a good one? And Praz says, um, I guess download, downgrading him to a four point five and getting a Liverpool defender isn't so kosher anymore. So you know, five point five to seven point five million. What are the options? And I think, as we said earlier, in the market forces, that kind of reflects what the key option for many is. Um, and that is Zaha, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, he seems to be the, the most popular pick. As I said, he's, he's got seven goals to his name now. Um, it's actually only three off his um, best ever Premier League season for goals. So he, he's performing really well. He's, he's the key man for Crystal Palace, 7.4 million. Um, quite an easy straight swap for, for managers. So I can understand why, why people are targeting him. And yeah, underlying stats, pretty good as well. Sort of seventh in terms of goal attempts, 28, 25 inside the box, seven big chances. So yeah, looking at... Um, looking pretty sharp this season um you know look looking on on it there's always sort of like every season you're kind of like oh is he pushing for a move is he unhappy don't really feel that vibe with Zaha this season feels like he's, he's focused on his job at hand and putting in those performances week in week out so that's that's um, really good to see so he's I guess the key man you know I did mention you know there's cheaper players you could look to downgrade to even someone like Suchek there's, there's no one at 4.5 million but if you if you want to put your money elsewhere, go to someone like Suchek at 5 million. Or even um, Jared Bowen actually looks pretty good as well. 6.4 million. As Tom mentioned as well, there's, there's the double game week coming up for West Ham um, in, in about six or seven game weeks time. So uh, 
you know, if you want to start thinking that far ahead, you could be looking at someone like him to come in. He's he's had four goals this season, but performing pretty well in terms of the underlying stats as well. Sort of being fifth for goal attempts with 30 and uh, 20 of those which have been inside the box. So he's looked um, pretty impressive so far this season as well. Yeah, under 5% owned as well. It's always a bit eye-catching. And um, there's certainly a, a little bit more around that sort of area when you scratch beneath the surface. Of course, you said Zaha, the underlying data is fantastic. Um, he's got the most big chances for any, any uh, midfielder under 7.6, I think it is. I think he basically kind of covered most, most of the options around the price bracket. Not many that are getting me too excited looking through. I know that Harrison, for example, at Leeds has actually created more chances than any other player under 7.6, uh, which is one out of nowhere, obviously not being converted by this fire in Bamford. Uh, one guy who came back tonight, um, who's probably worth mentioning, that probably regained a bit of fitness too, is James Madison. Oh, I remember the days when everyone thought he was as good as uh, Jack Grealish. Obviously not anymore. Um, but he's one of the players who makes Leicester tick. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how his return will have uh, will. Uh, impacts everybody there um admittedly a uh, game week 14 and 15 spurs away man at home aren't the aren't the greatest but uh yeah he could be another one to bear in mind but mm, in the bracket i can see why people are going to zaha and as i've mentioned i'm sure people have just gone i saw my friend do it actually a few years ago uh where he i think he had someone to sell and he was just like right okay what do I, let me take him out uh right i've got this much to spend who scored who scored the most points people buying him in yeah people buying him in yeah i'll get him and that's it that's the end of it it's quite depressing, isn't it? That some people's like a deliberation process in FPL, like making a transfer, where we're sat there kind of ruminating over it and chatting about it day after day, week after week, and some people are just done, satisfied in about twenty minutes. About it, really, isn't it? There's a few other names, I guess, we could mention. Um, you mentioned Pascal Gross on the last pod, didn't you? Uh, on penalties for Brighton, Fulham, Sheffield United, West Ham up next could be a little bit of a differential there, five point eight million, or maybe even go back to Mason Mount. So, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the hamburger of last season, not really been um, anywhere near any of our FPL seasons, um, FPL teams this season, but it seems to be nailed on under Lampard. And he's also performing um, pretty well in terms of both the metrics of chances created and, and goal attempts, sort of in, in the uh, just sort of lingering outside the top 10 or, or just within the top 10 um, in both categories. So, um, offers assists and goals, potentially that guy, and um, has looked pretty sharp in the last couple of games I've watched. Cool. All right, a couple more questions then. Uh, the first one is from Andy Penman, uh, who asks, if fans are changing things, uh, so will the return of fans make a difference? I think that we did cover this a little while ago, didn't we? Uh, I think a couple of game weeks ago. And I think I did mention then that uh, Sheffield United, especially, are a team that... Um, will really benefit from fans back at Bramwell Lane. They just seem to be the sort of team that feeds off that sort of uh, the, the tribalism, the energy, all of these sort of cliches that I could throw out there. But it's got to be a contributing factor. I'm not saying it's the factor, but it could be a contributing factor to how poor they've been without um, a, a load of throaty Sheffield people to uh, G them up a little bit. Um, another one um, that was particularly relevant this weekend was the United City game. Um, I mean, that without the fans was such a drab affair, especially given how it was played out. And I just wonder as well whether uh, Mr. Solskjaer has uh, been given a little bit of a stay of execution because the fans aren't calling for him to go. Uh, if if the stadium was full of fans, I'm sure uh, the Glazers slash Mr. Wuwa would have been listening a little bit more. So maybe that would have an impact for fans as well. Um, as a non-United fan, um, I am all for Oli staying. Um, but you know, maybe if there were fans in the stadium, uh, voice and discontent with how nice bit we're playing, um, decisions would be made a little bit differently. 
Yeah, I think when we got this question, I think it's from Karen Taser just a, a couple of pods ago. I was a little bit more negative, I guess, about the impact that I thought the fans would have just because I thought it was just going to be a, a smaller crowd wouldn't necessarily have too much of an impact. But from what I've watched this weekend, I've, I've changed my tune a little bit, especially um, considering some of the performances we actually saw as well. Uh, pre-games especially, I really noticed how the crowd um, G'd up their team um, and helped them towards victory or, or draws. And that was with um, Everton beating Chelsea and Palace drawing to Spurs and, and Fulham uh, drawing to Liverpool. So starting with the Everton game, it's actually Ancelotti actually um, hailed the um, the fans post-game in, in a sort of football manager fashion. So he he highlighted that the impact of the fans was really strong and he was really pleased how they supported us. It was really important to have and he said it becomes a totally different environment here. And that might have really helped um, them get to that victory against Chelsea, you know, with the fans cheering them on and jeering the Chelsea players. Um, I saw it as well in the Palace game when they scored. Um, for the, uh, the players, you know, they were so exhilarated to celebrate in front of the fans. That that was such a, something that, you know, seems to be, I was obviously sad as a Spurs fan, but something to see that's been sorely lacking in football over the past nine months or so. And um, I think you can you can kind of, let this impact FPL a little bit to a certain extent. So, for instance, when picking your defenders, if you're going for a Brighton defender against Fulham next week, you, you, you perhaps you're not going to be feeling as, as much of a shoo-in for a clean sheet as you would have if um, Fulham, for instance, can be inspired again by their fans. And I think the Fulham fans, when they drew to Liverpool tonight or earlier today, they really did have an impact, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think no, there is... It's one of those things which is intangible and difficult to put a metric against I suppose beyond kind of just saying pre-lockdown with fans and post-lockdown without fans I know that there's been uh, an eradication of the home advantage for example so I think that there is kind of a clear um, indication that the fans do have an impact and of course they do Um, I'm sure there's lots of players as well who are performing perhaps a bit better um, without the fans being around to get on their backs, you know, the sort of player who has benefited from being uh, outside of the, the scrutiny of fans. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens when uh, the fans do come back uh, full-time, hopefully touching all sorts of wood. I don't know, that sounds really dirty, but you get I me mean, touching all kinds of wood. Um, I'm hoping that's going to be very, very soon. Right, and the final question this week is on season keepers. Um, so Shawshank, FPL, JRF, um, and James Corolt both, both asked about this. So Shawshank said, you know, hypothetically, Kane and DCL, and probably Son as well, actually, uh, seem as close to essential as, as you can possibly get. So what's the kind of play with these guys? Keep both? Would you ever sell one if you have both, or would you ever kind of swap between them? Um, and James also asked, you know, where do you stand on keeping a player who's performing consistently, but as tough fish is coming up? So I'm guessing as well he meant uh, Son or uh, Kane or something like that. Um, so the, the term season keepers, Nick, it gets widely derided, doesn't it? Uh, because people say, oh, yeah, no, it's not true. You're not going to hold a player for the whole the course of the 38. Um, and also, um, you know, you do sometimes make calls on your wild cards and we certainly are going to be looking into should we have sold Spurs players in a couple of weeks time um, but I mean do you think with DCL with Kane they were, they're going to be immune from your uh, from your axe or um, are they in there for the long haul? I don't think anyone's immune from the axe I think you just have to factor in how much 
money you've accrued on these players as well before you sell them. So, for instance, someone like Jack Grealish, I've owned for a while, I bought him at 7.1 million. He's now 7.8 million, but if I sell him, it's 7.4 million. So I would lose that 0.4 million essentially to, to try and bring him back into my team. And I think that's something you certainly need to factor in when you're planning on transferring out a player. And obviously, um, you know, I could say the same for some of the other guys in my team, Calvert Lewin, I've, I've accrued 0.4 million on K 0.3 million. So, you know, the, the selling these guys does have an impact and, and yeah, as, as we so often see, you know, I talked about it in the last pod about over-management, about, you know, Calvert-Lewin appearing on the market forces as, as a heavily sold player. And I said, well, why are people selling Calvert-Lewin? He's basically returned every single week. I think it's literally just two game weeks all season, which he's he's blanked in. So there's no point in selling this guy. I know they've got a tough run of fixtures, but he's, he's still going to be picking up the odd goal and assist here and there, isn't he? So that's why... Um, and obviously he got the assist this, this week as well. So that's why I'm not really planning on selling him. I don't see the need to when he's just a, seems to be a solid stream of points. We, we actually can see the guys right at the top in terms of the top hundred overall rank. You know, they're not necessarily the best managers at FPL we've ever seen. They're just lucky people that picked Calvert-Lewin, Kane and Son in their team right at the start of the season and, and basically have owned the entire season as well. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying anything negative about these guys. Some of them are obviously fantastic managers, but some of them have just, you know, came across the right players at the right time at the beginning of the season um, and have just kept them and, you know, and uh, are now um, absolutely smashing it um, in terms of mm. overall ranks. So I think that's the thing about some of these players if you find the ones that are scoring week in week out you don't always it's not really a rush to get rid of them and just just um, enjoy the points and you can you can ride through some of the tough fixtures quite easily as well especially this season and looking at the premier league table is it's you know it's, it's all over the shop there's no real tough fixtures is there no, no, anyone can beat anyone. It's very unpredictable. It's almost predictably unpredictable at the moment, uh, given how that Fulham and Liverpool games that said that someone's on the slack. Um, I think with uh, with Calvert Lewin, yeah, you, you, he, the guy keeps performing. I saw some some kind of discussions, as you said, about removing him, blah blah blah. The fact is that even though he did kind of uh, you know, get quite lucky with the with the pen assist this week, um, I'm still thinking that guy is still pumping out the points um, week in, week out. At the end of the day, even if a player looks really bad, but still scores points for you. That's where football rubs up against FPL a little bit, where you can say, oh, you know, he's looked abject, he's looked, he's looked crap, but he still keeps managing to get points out of nowhere. Um, Son and Kane, uh, just to come on to them as well. Wow. Um, I just looked um, idly at the goal numbers and the assist numbers for Spurs. This season, they've scored 21 goals. Son and Kane have, have scored 19 of them. So 90% of the goals have come from two players alone. It's <laughs> just crazy. Um, in terms of assists, there have been 19 assists. Um, 14 of them have come from Son and Kane. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, 74%. And that means that there's a total goal involvement for Son and Kane of 83%. That's ridiculous. That is like talisman theory, well, within two players, a duo talisman theory, epitome of that, I guess. And um, that if a team is doing anything, it's bound to be one of two guys. And I saw like when, when they scored today, I thought, I'm just sick of these guys. Like, it was a bit of a, a very lucky goal, but I mean, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's becoming increasingly hard to understand when people say, oh, I'm removing them. 
um, I'm moving them to fund someone else. It was kind of like, really? Like, you've held them now uh, through all sorts of tough fixtures if you are uh, removing them. Like, you've held them through Man City, you've held them through Chelsea, you've held them through Arsenal. Like, what more do they have to do to just be untouchable in your team? And, uh, yeah, as you can tell from the tone of my voice, I'm a little bit... Uh, I, I, it, it's been quite a, it was quite silly to get rid of them I think because um, it's not as if they dried up they had slowed down but they, didn't, they hadn't dried up but it was a gamble worth taking on, on the other hand because I had to kind of I hope the players that I was bringing in were going to do something but I think nonetheless um, it is quite difficult every week because you're just effectively waiting for your gains to get wiped out by these two guys and even for you Nick with just Kane as you said earlier on you're still getting wiped out because of the fact that the other guy is probably going to be assisting Kane <laughs> or Kane will be assisting the other guy so uh, there you go um, but ultimately what do we do here Nick then do we just say in answer to uh, Shawshanks keep both sell one or swap one out for the other are we ultimately telling people just to keep both and I guess harking back to last week's pod just value doing nothing more and more I think that's where we're leaning to. I think we're saying that, you know, no point taking any silly hits to try and move these players around, especially like, as we said, Kane's on Calvert-Lewin. They're scoring week in, week out. You know, they've got a couple of tough games coming up, but it's not that far away before Spurs have some excellent fixtures coming up and you're just going to be racing to get them back in. So after Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves, they've got an excellent run of fixtures. Fulham, Leeds, Villa, Sheffield United. So, you know, we're going to start talking about wanting to be doubled up again, potentially, on, and getting both Kane and Son into our team. So, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend really, really selling them at this stage, especially if you've had them for a long time and, and you've got a lot of money tied up in them, and you, you've, um, you know, you've you've earned a lot of money because you had, you just end up having to try and get them back in, taking more hits, trying to chase the points. I don't think it's necessarily worth it all the time. No, no, probably not. <laughs> moving on, transfers and captains. This was the game week a few three years ago when I sold Mo Salah um, against Bournemouth at home uh, on the minus eight and got absolutely destroyed. Um, so this time. I'm going to try and learn from that experience and do absolutely nothing this week. Um, I could, um, you know, sort my bench out a little bit and do Val uh, Buena or something. Um, but does that feel worth a transfer and the, and the opportunity cost of having two free transfers? No, no, it doesn't. So I'm going to be rolling my free transfer. I'm probably going to be Captain De Bruyne. I think it's between him and Bruno, of course. Um, and I'm probably going to go with De Bruyne, lesser own man. And as I've said, I, I do think that there is what a spanking coming for City. Um, it's just going to be when it happens. I'm hoping that um, it, that happens against West Brom. Hmm. Uh, what are you doing, Nick? Are you going to? You are going to go ahead with this uh, premium hokey cokey, I take it, and you are going to be going for Bruno. Is there any consideration for De Bruyne, or is it just kind of set in your mind now that it's all about that Bruno? Yeah, I think so. So, I think I'm going to be giving Bruno the armband straight away and, and bringing him in. Of course, it's there's um, you know a choice here between both Bruno and, and De Bruyne, the, the clear standouts, and we have seen. Um, as we kind of discussed um, earlier in the pod, we haven't seen too many massive victories uh, for Manchester City. They demolished um, Burnley 5-0. It would be worth highlighting. That was a big, big game. But, you know, apart from that, they've been quieter this season, haven't really had that same spark, um, which we saw from a couple of years ago. Um, 
when you had like the likes of Agrera and Sane and Sterling sort of smashing it every single week, week in, week out, they've they've not really seemed the same. And and De Bruyne, he is their key man, their talisman. But I feel like he's he's been a little bit laboured in his performances. Perhaps it's, it's worth saying. I mean, it might be a bit negative about the guy. He's in my team. I think he's probably going to get a decent return this week. But I think I think I'm going to go for Bruno personally in terms of giving him the armband. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, do you have two free transfers? Like, what's the onward plan? Do you even have one? Are you just kind of uh, freewheeling at this point, knowing full well you're going to get 80 points just for showing up? I haven't got a huge plan in place. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I did think about <laughs> other things. I thought about what I do with Jota. But, um, I mean, I could downgrade him to Suchek. I considered a move sort of doing something like Kane to Bamford, Jota to Bruno. And, and, and that was actually affordable. But that, then I thought, well, I'm not, I don't really want to do it here. I don't want to take a minus four here, you know, for that and sell Kane when I'm going to want to bring the guy back in, as I said, for game week 16 when they've got Fulham at home. And, you know, week in, week out, we're seeing Kane Son smash it. That kind of goes against the grain of what I'm suggesting here um, generally. So I think it's just take take it week in, week out and uh, and see if someone gets injured to, to help aid some of my decisions. But yeah, yeah that's, that's a vague plan. No, nothing amazing to talk about. But yeah, um, just as I said, it's just a quick fire pod here. Um, we are Who Got The Assist. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and don't forget to like or subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Yep, we're recording again on Thursday night. You were working, aren't you, late on Thursday? So it's Anthony's Anthony will be pardoning me for that one. Um, anyway, we hope to assist you in this quick turnaround and we'll speak to you in just a few days. All the best in game week 13. Unlucky for some. Hope not for me. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.